An event that will change the world forever happened in the U.S. Senate this week, and it wasn't the impeachment. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on 95.5 WSB. 3 to 5 actually today, but we're going to get it all done. There's so much to talk about, but I can talk pretty fast, so let's get started. This week... The big news out of the Senate, obviously, was the ceremonial reading of the articles of impeachment into the record by Adam Schiff. The uh, actual impeachment is slated to start Tuesday, the trial, but there was a lot of pomp and circumstance, a lot of ceremony. But just an hour before that, Senate the Senate passed 89 to 9. The USMCA, that globalist trade deal that is in lockstep with the TPP, which Trump promised to and still says he put to bed in his anti-globalist campaign for president. He was elected to kind of put that globalism to bed. Instead, it is now the law of the land and other unilateral deals will start getting plugged into it. That's what it provides for. So there was a China deal announced this week. Immediately in the newspaper today, in the journal, it said EU is next. We all expect UK to be next. I think that was probably the true nature of Brexit. To just have this globalist core agreement that everything else could plug into. I think it's going to replace the WTO, the World Trade Organization. This is big, big news, and there was no discussion of it. That alone would be reason, in my mind... To have this entire impeachment thing, the entire if, if this is truly the core of the world governments of the global economic system that the powers that be have arguably been trying to put into place formally since the League of Nations 100 years ago, it would be worth sacrificing or setting up an entire presidency and impeachment just to get that done. If this really is headed where I think it is, if it's really that big a step towards globalism. And I think it is. But I do think that there's another reason. There's probably many purposes being served by the impeachment. But one of the reasons that I think it's going down just the way it is, especially the way Schiff read the articles of impeachment, it seemed very clear that the theme they were getting at continues to be election integrity, that we don't really have the kind of democracy that we think we have, that it's that it's coming apart. This I've seen this theme for years now. It started maybe it started even before this. But in 2000, when George Bush was elected with the hanging Chad that was resolved in Florida, where his brother was governor. And then in 2004 in Ohio, there were real issues with the voting machines there that said Kerry was winning and Bush did win. And it was it was the winner maker. Then after that, Obama was is considered illegitimate by some because of the birther issue that he wasn't born here that he's not really american natural citizen then with the 2016 election all the top contenders had or would have legitimacy issues from ted cruz having two canadian parents at birth in canada to hillary having definitely people who are not legal to vote non-citizens vote for her i mean that's just de rigueur in california anyway plenty of evidence of that 
and they would have exploited that had she won. And then with Trump, I actually think the weakest argument is this Russia collusion argument. And to the extent Giuliani is really on his side or there really are two pieces of the two sides of this battle, I think Giuliani was over in Ukraine trying to flip the script on that and say it was really the Democrats working with the Ukrainians to interfere with the 2016 election. And I think to the extent Giuliani was operating over there at all in a political capacity, it would have been for that. But now they've pushed this narrative forward into 2020 by saying Ukraine is it is ground zero again for where Trump was trying to influence the election against Biden by having Ukraine create an investigation against him uh, with regard to his position as VP and his son's position as a board member of Burisma over in Ukraine. But when Giuliani was over there, Biden wasn't hadn't even announced that he was running yet. Like, I just I think that all of these narratives, all of the items that are being emphasized will ultimately not only provide a distraction from things like the USMCA, but and I want to bring my, uh, I would say, expert on the subject, producer Binkley in on this conversation, that 2020 election integrity that the 2020 presidential election goes off perfectly is, I would say, in the crosshairs, especially from some of the stuff you've brought me, Binkley, in the crosshairs so that the powers that be, and I'm not talking about like Obama holdovers, deep state. I'm talking about the people who kind of run the show above the parties, the people who influence that. I think this two-party system is a way to keep us at odds with each other, but they have globalism in mind. They have... Uh, what Michael Chertoff said was a fundamental restructuring of our legal architecture by Congress to pass laws and stuff like that. And we've played on this show before. Binkley's actually played for us clips that talk about, I forget if you can remember who it was who, who did it, that they these guys, so who, who were the people who played that clips? And then I'll tell what that clip was. Do you remember the guy who's the tripwire guy? Where, it, it was... was like, it An was, army yeah. cyber conference, yeah. and they were communications and strategic communication officers. So those guys were in the army yeah. or working for the army. Yeah, not everybody who works for the army is in the army. But so these guys were government officials, army yeah. officials, not like deep state. They were, you know, kind of above that, behind it all. Or, you know, the continuity of government type, like the real, like when people yeah. defend the deep state, these are the guys they're defending. Yeah, they run communications. They're propaganda, trained propagandists. Yes. Okay. So, and, and sometimes, you know, they include that with intelligence gathering. It's kind of a two way street, I think. And what they were saying was that in order to convince people what a threat Russia is, or perhaps they didn't say this, but I think maybe there's another, they didn't want to say it, but to get people to think that we do need to fundamentally restructure our system, there needs to be a tripwire that gets tripped. And and when asked the question by the the moderator or maybe she was a reporter interviewer, she said, "Well, I can't imagine anything that would have the kind of weight that you're talking about." Like in World War Two, the guy had described to her that in World War Two there was a tripwire 
where 300,000 American troops were on the border in Europe, and if Russia breached them, they might be slaughtered, but that would provide the kind of everybody stands together and goes to war against Russia as with a unified front, a war-weary country, would respond to a tripwire like that. And she said, I can't imagine what could be that. And the guy said, well, 2020 election. Yeah. Now, he didn't elaborate, but we got a tweet from... Dean that had an article about Operation Blackout, which really reflected what you had brought there. It talked about how they um, it's like an Israeli company or or guys who were Mossad, like people who are on on the offense now have this company, I think, called Cyber Reason, where they, quote, scenario out bad stuff. And one of the things they're working on is a major election issue on that day, maybe countrywide, where people die and martial law is declared. Now, this is something that the FBI is working with them on. So for me, this sounds like they're really planning on something big for the election. And and the impeachment stuff does feed into that narrative and will be top of mind for everyone the entire year. I agree. And we've seen this civil unrest across the the world. And if it's going to happen here, it'll happen after the results of the 2020 election. And that could be what lights the fuse, because that is true. There have been what I have dubbed plug in protests around the world, which you saw coming. I gave it a name, but you saw it coming with Hong Kong because they were bringing it out as a template. And then I also noticed that along the way in articles, it was saying that. It was describing in great detail strategies, tactics. I mean, it reminded me of the flyers from the Soros color revolutions, which told you how to wear a hoodie properly. Yeah, I was I was reading uh, Brzezinski's book and he was talking about that one he wrote before he died. And he was talking about these civil unrest around the world being models and triggering more civil unrest quickly and quickly. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing that you should bring that up. Oh, that really connects the dots to some other stuff I want to talk about today. This Iran thing, he described, Zbigniew Brzezinski described, who is like the master kind of deep state thinker, he described the arc of crisis. He named it the arc of crisis, the Shia-Sunni conflict in the Middle East. And for the first time in my life that I've been cognizantly aware of what's going on in the Middle East for the first time, I think I I might be seeing through that, that I think that perhaps that arc of crisis that he peddled was a way for us on behalf of the military industrial complex, on behalf of big oil, have a military presence in the Middle East that we don't have a world government, we don't have a world army, we should not be there. But but thank goodness for Iran If that's what we want to do, you know what I'm saying? If that's what we want to do, only because, as you and I have discussed on our podcast these past couple of weeks, the way the Iran thing is unfolding seems so scripted, so theatrical, so like there's no real danger somehow. There's some volley here. And then when Iran freaked out and called us psyops agents and big liars after the plane got shot down and then had to eat their words based on a video that was promoted by Bellingcat, who's a known deep state propagandist posing as an indie journalist. I mean, it, the whole thing smelled funny to me. And, and I wonder if maybe as big was uh, was putting up the front 
the excuse for us to go in there and behave militarily. Potentially, but you're right. It all seems like a bad community stage play to me. Yes, exactly. And that also folds in with the impeachment. I want to talk more about the impeachment, but I'd like to touch on Iran. And later in the show, for sure, I want to talk about the Virginia gun rights rally that's getting so, so much press. But let's get to that. And I'm uh, happy to take some calls, 404 872 or 800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. No, never give up. Never surrender. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. Well, we hit the ground running talking about the impeachment and started to peel the onion right away. Binkley, my producer here, you have experience in uh, on stage and on screen. So this whole impeachment scenario and actually the Iran thing, we can we can talk more about the Iran thing later, but I want to. I want to lay out, like at the bottom of the hour, the impeachment and some details of content that's important. But so, what was your impression? So I only listened to it. I was had a long drive and I was listening to. It. I didn't see anything. But what was your impression? It's bad community theater that's not even trying to present itself as good quality real acting, in my opinion. <laughs> It, well, I was impressed the way Adam Schiff read the articles of impeachment. I thought it was much better. If Chuck Schumer had read it, he would like have paused at the end of, you know, the line of the page rather than where there was a period. You know what I mean? When he reads it, it's just like he actually, you know, I almost feel like him reading something that in brackets like feign outrage. That's you know? because <laughs> he is an aspiring screenwriter. Adam Schiff. And an amateur stand-up comic at liberal donor events. See, this is a thing that I think is really underappreciated or scrutinized from Stacey Abrams to Zelensky to Trump. These people have acting experience. And then once I was trying to find that and I, I was like looking politicians acting and I saw an, an article about Netanyahu's acting coach. And I'm thinking, if Netanyahu's got an acting coach, there's a no question Obama has an acting coach. or And we know that Jeff Zucker hired an acting coach for Trump when he did The Apprentice. So, or that he certainly taught him how to do a show. It was Zucker was at, at the helm for some of that. Yeah, the bits that they put on TV, they want to be the most dramatic and the most heightened in order to elicit attention and a feeling in the audience. Interesting. So it, it did seem highly orchestrated. I certainly felt, oh yeah, because like when they walked John Robertson, I could hear the commentators saying, he's got a smile on his face. And, and I'm thinking, that's awful. Like, why would he have a smile on his face with that? <laughs> it, it, you know, he probably couldn't suppress it because it, he could not take it seriously. But I'm taking it seriously. I don't like it. And it, it does undermine our, our system such as it is. So let's talk about some of the details of this and where we think it's going to go after the break. 800-WSB-TALK is our number. You can call 404-872-0750 or tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. It's all real. Oh, my God, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. I am... Waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty. Saturday afternoons from 3 to 6 is my normal time slot. But tonight I'm on for this afternoon. I'm on from 3 to 5. But we're going to get it all done. We are talking about the impeachment. 
I gave you the big picture overview. If you ever want to hear the show from the beginning, you just tune in halfway or whatever, you can go to Binkley and I, my producer Binkley and I, do a podcast called The Propaganda Report. We have a website, thepropreport.com. And uh, do we always put this show on there? Let's start putting this show on there. Okay. I'm not sure we always do that. So let's do that for the uh, courtesy of the listening audience because it's commercial free. All so right. that's a courtesy. WSB extends to us. We will extend it to you. So we talk a lot about this stuff, and we're talking about – we. so every day we do a 30-minute podcast called the Drive Time News Blast. We put it up by 4 o'clock, and we hit all these topics. So we have a different perspective, and we get a little deeper on it and know a lot of details. So I'm going to get into some of the details you're probably not hearing anywhere else. But I want to get to a call first. If you want to call, 404-872-0750 or 800-WSB-TALK, or you could tweet at me at Monica Perez Show or tweet at Binkley at Freedom Act Radio. Uh, and, uh, I'm going to go to Orlando. Orlando, you are on the air with Monica. Hi, Orlando. How you doing? Good. How are you doing? All right. I think that uh, overall, at, at the end of the day, it's going to end up in a motion to dismiss because uh, Andrew Jackson and Bill Clinton were charged with crimes under the United States Code, and these crimes they're charging Trump with are not. So it's going to end up in the motion to dismiss. I wonder about that. I think I that's great. That's very well put. And that was a question I was really asking myself. Like, could they just say you didn't make a case? Let's just put this to bed right now. Like, I feel like they... They can and should do that. And I agree with you. They don't really make a case for anything. I'm going to get into the details of that after we after I hang up. But uh, but they but I feel like the GOP, to Binkley's point that this is kind of like theatrical, they have defectors who want to call witnesses. I think they're going to open this can of worms. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, they'll give a chance for the Democrats to make their point. And maybe uh, for the Republicans to get into it, because maybe it's a chance to go against Biden. But at the end of the day, it's just going to be a motion to dismiss. Because otherwise, you can charge Trump with um, having orange hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's unpatriotic. I mean, that is how the articles read. It, that it, It's his bad intentions, his bad motivations that make this a crime. And while motive helps inform a jury that a crime was committed with intent. It is not in itself an element of the crime, but that's really the entirety of what's in the articles of impeachment. And I'm going to, I'm going to get into that. I'm going to read those and tell you what I think, but uh, I agree. I, I, but I just think that the GOP cannot be trusted to, to just take this win because that's what it is at this point. They did not, the case is not made my opinion, and if they want to go for it and say, oh, well, we can bring down the Democrats, we can prove the Biden thing, I think they could, actually. But I don't think they would. I don't think they will. And, I, and I'm going to lay out why I think this whole – one of the, the shoes that dropped this week was a – supposedly an operative of Giuliani was following Yovanovitch in Kiev. That story, there's, uh, I'm going to go on the record to say that there is, in my opinion, there is no chance. That's what 
this guy was doing. No chance. But there is something super fishy about this guy. I'm going to tell you some of the details of that. Uh, and I'm going to first uh, take another call. Let's go to Mike. Mike, you are on the air with Monica. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I am confused over exactly what entity the GAO is. I hear one moment that it's a private entity. It's not part of the government. It doesn't have judges in it, but yet they they uh, come out with authoritative prejudicial statements stating that Trump is guilty of uh, that or this, that, or the other. Um, would you are they likely partisan or what what is it comprised of? Do they have any credibility when they come out and I mean I'm talking about real credibility when they come out and say Trump is guilty of something without a hearing? Yeah, let me answer that. I actually was that's another thing that I'm so glad these guys are bringing up exactly the questions that I had, which is this one is the GAO, the Government Accountability Office. And it does not have the power of judgment. So this is an opinion. It's not supposed to be partisan, yet it reads very partisan. And as I like to do, I like to go read the text, the full text of the document they are talking about and nothing else. As a viewer last year, like, do you read, what, listen to podcasts and stuff? I do not like to listen to people's spin or analysis or even good ideas. I like to form my own ideas first. So I went and read this thing. And while I don't really have the resources or the time to investigate all the articles that are cited, all the precedents, all the laws, all the rules, on the face of this document, it's a nine-page document from the GAO, I am not convinced on the face of it, it looks wrong to me. It looks like they are incorrect. What they say is that the that Trump or the White House or whatever said – we are not the OMB, I think, the Office of uh, Management and Budget, said we're not releasing the funds, these funds that are allocated. They sent them a bunch of stuff, tons and tons of stuff. But we're not releasing the, the stuff, the money to Ukraine until we've figured a few things out, how to use it best or whatever their boilerplate language is. Then they said, this is not to say that we're not going to do it in a timely manner because we're obliged to do it by the end of the fiscal year. This is, we are not saying that we're not going to do it by the end of the fiscal year. So they filed a few of those along the way. And then in August, like August 20th, at the end of August, they did not put that sentence in. We're not, this doesn't mean we're not going to do it by the end of the year. But they still just said, this is what we're doing. And here's the thing. It was within their prerogative, from what I can tell, to not send it before they were obliged to send it at the end of the fiscal year, which is September 30th. And in fact, they did send it by the end of the fiscal year. That's it. So when I look at this impeachment stuff, the first article, there are two articles. One is abuse of power, and the second one is uh, like uh, obstruction of Congress. Yeah. So abuse of power, the abuse of power one is that Trump had a quid pro quo where he asked Zelensky to do an investigation, maybe to fire Yovanovitch, uh, and in return he would release the funds that he was obliged to release and have a meeting with him. Zelensky didn't do what he asked, announced investigation. He released the funds and he had the meeting. All the other stuff that came out of Congress is like witness testimony, 
and all that. And and a prime example of how little that all can be trusted is the way Yovanovitch was painted. The things that she said that I know are not true because there is documentary evidence and witness testimony from the prosecutor in Ukraine who was Biden's guy. So it's against his interest. If, if he was corrupt, he wouldn't be saying this. George Kent, who was... Uh, I forget his exact title, but he was in the embassy at the time in Ukraine, sent a letter to Ukraine saying, we basically want you to stand down from investigating this anti-corruption entity that we like. We like you to fund them. They're associated with us. We know that they were associated with George Soros, too. Yovanovitch was in on all that. Yet the way she's painted in Congress, like a lot of the other witness stuff, isn't true if you dig in. So I don't pay attention to all that hearsay at all, zero, zero, zero. I look at what happened, what the process was for withholding that aid, and if that phone call and the subsequent events constitute bribery, quid pro quo, whatever. I personally think bribery is when the American official takes money to do something. I don't even think bribery is the right word here, but whatever. I Even what they're saying happened, I, I there's nothing there in my opinion. So for me, if they did a, a, a... And then the second thing is obstruction of Congress. If they... First of all, it's obstructing Congress in an impeachment trial for something that there were no grounds for. So it's like resisting arrest when you didn't do anything wrong. I hate that. But no one was actually charged for I looked up if anyone was charged with contempt of Congress this year. And the two people who were listed were Bill Barr. I forget why. And um, Trump in December. So it had to do with the impeachment. I didn't I don't know if he was held in contempt of Congress or if they just considered the impeachment an act of contempt of Congress. But nobody was held in contempt of Congress. So the underlying crime that he's being accused of, which I'm not even sure is a crime, telling somebody not to show up. If it's if you really wanted the person show up and they go on and on in the articles of impeachment that it's their power, they have the power, he's arrogating whatever to I mean, they I guess that means like taking to himself the right to Trump, our impeachment authority, whatever. Hey, man, you don't have authority if you don't have the power to enforce it. You do have the power to enforce it. File contempt charges against those people and march them in there or throw them in jail. Grassley's ready to throw people in jail just for not raising their hand to talk. Like that whole, if there's nobody who's actually charged with contempt, I'm not sure anyone actually committed it. And I don't think he suborned that. So, for me, the entire articles of impeachment, I, I go with Orlando uh, to start out with saying they should just have a motion to dismiss and vote on it. I totally agree. Anybody who wants to dig into this, I think the case is not made. And I don't even think there are good charges made. So and the GAO, uh, regardless of whether they have double standards or they're partisan or they have uh, authority just read the thing. It's it seems completely fine. <laughs> you know, there's not they even their extremely biased report does nothing for me. Like, I'm not worried about this at all. But I started digging into the Ivanovich thing, that guy who is supposedly trailing her. I want to tell you why there's in my mind no way he was trailing her and then tell you like this crazy story about this guy. I mean, I'm I'm worried about him that he's not going to be around to tell his tale. 
But I also want to hear from you, Binkley, or I want to go back and forth with you a little bit about some of the theatrical plot twists or you know some of the best. So I consider this like a season of a TV show yeah. and that we're going to have some episodes that it really could not be the theme of an entire season, which it clearly is going to be if there weren't some bombshell episodes. So let's talk about what those might look like in our in our short segment. And at the top of the hour, I'm going to tell you about this guy, Robert Hyde. It's a real curious story. And if you want to chime in with the conversation, give us a call, 404-872-0750 or 800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Bring big drama show. Let's go. Let's do it. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. We're going to go straight to the phones. We're talking about impeachment, of course. Let's go to Deji. You are on with Monica. Hey, how are you doing? Yeah, good afternoon. How are you? Good, thank you. What you got? So, you know, um, you know, I I would agree that uh, these allegations are maybe not at the level of impeachment, um, but the the issue that I have is no one uh, has the has the professional courage to speak up and say, you know what. You know, this doesn't sound right. You know, it doesn't sound right for, you know, a president to reach out to uh, the leader of another country and ask them to investigate, you know, their political rival. That doesn't sound right. That shouldn't be happening. You know, and, you know, having the professional courage to say that, uh, that's the concern that I have. You know, everyone is just, you know, like looking the other way. And, you know, I think, you know, something has to be done or said. And, you know, congratulations to those few uh, Republicans that have come out and, you know, said that, hey, you know, this is not right, you know, but just the fact that people are afraid of their political, uh, you know, careers and they're not speaking up, I think that's, you know, that's that's a huge concern. That's the issue. And, okay. you know, well, here yeah. here's the thing. So the the I do believe that. I mean, all it's completely partisan. So all the Democrats are saying what you're saying and not too many Republicans are taking the other position. I'm not a Republican. So I look at it from the facts, and I think that there's stuff that Trump and every other president since Washington has done that has more meat on the bones than this. That's what I think personally. But your point, I think, is interesting about why won't Republicans stand up, and you admire the few who are standing up, I think that is going to be one of the big mm, drama pivots of this whole year of the impeachment. So Binkley and I were talking about how there are going to be moments when you've got some surprise. I think let's give that some time. Let's go to the top of the hour. Binkley and I, we can spend a couple of minutes on that. I'll tell you the Robert Hyde thing. And then we've got that Virginia gun rally I want to talk about and maybe a little bit on Iran. So I think that one of the things we are going to see, though, there's like at least six people whose names have kind of been flagged as more or less GOP defectors. And that can really change the course of events because they will probably make sure that there is kind of a full on trial with witnesses and further investigation. And that, my friend, will be the show that is going to be. The main event is to have all these guys coming in. Binkley, you have a hilarious analogy about the parade of witnesses we're going to see. Let's hear that after the break. 404 872 You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. 
This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on 95.5 WSB. Today, I'm only on from 3 to 5. UGA Sports, I'm always happy to defer to. And uh, and I can make up for it because we're going to probably get to everything. And if we don't, you can always listen to my producer Binkley and I do a podcast every day with news of the day, 30 minutes from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. I'm telling you, we recently got a review that said, if you just listen once, you'll be hooked. And I think that's true. So you can go to the propreport.com for that, but also for this show, commercial-free, if you missed the first hour. This is the second and final hour. We are talking about impeachment, and we are open to calls. If you want to give a ring, 404-872-0750. Or 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Start the hour with a quick call. And then Binkley and I are going to dig into some uh, film critique of the Senate uh, shenanigans so far. And I've also got a deep dive into that Robert Hyde, who's been following Yovanovitch around, allegedly. So let's just go to Larry real quick. Hey, Larry, you are on the air with Monica. It's good to talk to you, Monica. Thanks for calling. I was kind of taken back when I saw the GAO join the foray against Trump because I went and I looked up the mission statement of the GAO, and that is to secure, make sure that our funds are being spent properly. There was all kinds of smoke and indications that there was a problem in Ukraine before during the Obama administration, and the GAO didn't do anything about it. And Trump did. Now they're coming out against Trump. That's very interesting. I tried to, I mean, I, you know, if you actually were to, I I certainly don't have the resources, the time to figure out all of the legal responsibilities, how these laws work, the articles they referred to. But are they responsible for making sure it gets spent in any way other than keeping people accountable to what they're required to do? So Congress, this is how, as far as I know, Congress passes a budget. If there are earmarks in it, it's very clear what has to be done with that money. If there are no earmarks, the executive branch has discretion, which is why people don't like earmarks, but actually earmarks are good in that they retain the power of the purse at the congressional level, which is where it constitutionally belongs. So I was thinking that the Government Accountability Office, certainly as the the findings report that I read with respect to this Trump incident, was just to make sure the Office of Management Budget has to report to them that they know where they're supposed to spend the money and they're going to do it in a timely manner before the end of the year. Because I think if you don't spend it during the fiscal period it was allotted to, it's lost. So I think the Government Accountability Office just makes sure that you're on track to do that. And the OMB was telling them, yes, we are. Even though we didn't send these these monies so far, we will send them by the end. And I think... I don't know if you go back to the Obama era and say, was the GAO supposed to examine if there were was cause to withhold the aid i don't know the imf has been withholding aid because of 
the Burisma and Pravat Bank scandals, or the Pravat Bank scandal, which I think is related to Burisma. So there were there's good reason to keep the money. And I just don't. Are you? Do you? Can you color in some of that GAO stuff for me, or does this what I'm saying sound right to you? Because I think that they did not make their case against Trump. Well, no, I, I just read, looked up their mission statement, yeah. and basically they are accountable okay. to make sure that funds are being uh, spent properly. And I understood if if just if something's earmarked, then that's the way it should go. Yeah. But nobody looks at it after that to make sure it happened. Did you did Obama not send stuff that was earmarked in a timely fashion? Do you think? Uh, no, he spent he, he spent two hundred ten or yeah. two hundred fourteen million dollars. Yeah, he and I'm sent not sure it. there's any accountability on how that money was spent. Yeah. With all the smoke, you know that some things were done wrong. Yeah, that's probably true. And I'm thinking that that the the kind of back and forth checks and balances there are Congress earmarks the funds for this purpose. The executive branch needs to execute that unless it has a good reason not to or it wants to make sure everything's on the up and up, which in this case it it had to and did. Like the Department of Defense, some McCain Act says you have to make sure they're going to spend it properly. And in this case, it's in this war against Russia, which we started, by the way, on behalf of Ukraine. I just read a great book by Oliver Boyd Barrett. I read the whole thing cover to cover, which is kind of hard in something like this. It was called um, something like uh, Western Mainstream Media and the Ukraine Crisis a study in conflict propaganda and it it was really good it was like 200 pages and i so now like there's no question in my mind that everything that i think was true about ukraine is backed up by real some real journalism and we're sending that money over there to fight against russia when there are ethnic russians in ukraine in a couple of the counties over in the um eastern side where their their primary language is russian and the new kiev government was banning russian so that's why they were like we can't just report to you this we i mean if your name language is russian and all of a sudden they take it away from you how can you function civically you can't and that's why they're like we can't be a part of your government that's just a piece of it and we're sending money over there to put those people down so I'm not on board with sending the money over, but the GAO has not, in my mind, made a case that delaying it but still sending it before the end of the fiscal year was in any way out of the ordinary. I don't even think I'm not even sure there was process violations, although that's where it would be like I'd have to start looking stuff up. So, see, there's some content for you. But Binkley, let's go to form, (laughs) shall we? So what do you think? Uh. You know, what are some of the elements of drama that you expect to see here? I don't know that I expect this. I would like to see this because if we're going to go circus, let's go full circus. Right, which right. Kind Why of, not? You know, right, we're going to have to take the medicine. Right you might as well get the sugar. Yeah. I would like to see if anybody saw the finale of Seinfeld. They brought in all of the old characters from the entire series and they all had them testify. And I would like to see I'd like to see us march in everybody from. Hillary Clinton to Adam Schiff to Roger Stone to Vladimir Putin to Donald Trump and have them all testify and just make this thing the true circus we deserve. Yeah, well, we hopefully we'll get to see Bolton. I mean, he is yeah. he is supposedly going to be the star. But, you know, it, it, I think it's funny 
as simplistic as it all is, I think they can be a little arbitrary or overhyped stuff so that we can't really we can't really guess the ending of the script. There's just a lot of different I almost feel like they film several endings and and kind of test it in the audiences. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they do that in films. I know. And this is so much more important than that. Yeah. Right. So the only thing, the only argument anyone ever gives me of like it's not really like that is you'd find out. But there are whistleblowers all the time that tell us these things. Yeah. That I did want to direct people to that crazy David Hogg video. If you go to BitChute and look up, is it Ramblers? It's like he's forgetting his lines. Yeah, he's rehearsing his lines with the it's, camera person who's feeding him lines. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And and when you see stuff like that, you can deny it. Fine, go ahead, deny it. But it's not beyond the realm of possibility that these guys are sitting around scripting this thing out. Absolutely. They're, Especially since Adam Schiff is a screenwriter, right? Yeah, they're maximizing the drama. He is. He's a screenwriter. He's going to maximize and heighten that drama to impact the audience, to make the audience feel whatever it is they want them to feel. Yeah, so I see that happening. I feel like, all right, so we're going to have some defectors who are the GOP guys. I think you only need a few to change the process because you don't need a supermajority to change the process. So they could get witnesses. They could make this a big trial. They could bring in the circus. Then when you open that can of worms, you know, you'd love to see the Bidens get exposed for whatever they did actually do if mm-hmm. anything that would be great i don't expect that yeah. but what i do expect is some kind of bombshell that makes a large swath of republicans waver on the vote so you're gonna need 20 defectors to make this vote close I think you're going to get something near that number because there's going to be a bombshell. Maybe Bolton will bring it. I don't know. But they're going to open the door to that, and there's going to be a bombshell, and Trump will just squeak by, but it'll further delegitimize what he his position. Yeah, I, I agree that that's one way that it yeah, could go, way, and I hope that's way. the way that it, that it goes. Another way right, that right. it might go is— Many possible endings. They— Get rid of it very quickly, and they go ahead and start filing more articles of impeachment around this new evidence that's come out. Absolutely. That's a possibility. I mean, that could be both things. Both things would be the answer, right? So then you can have a a second term impeachment based on this. So like suppressing, obstructing Congress is a major element of this impeachment, but the impeachment is supposedly the thing that you know, he was obstructing. Yeah. So he can just keep, you know, he can just keep spinning out like Cool Hand Luke. And in the end, he's dead because he knocked over a parking meter. You know, like yeah. you can, it can just get really, really crazy. But I do think that some of the drama will come with the uh, Dershowitz and Starr yeah. who are on the legal team who were most recently connected because they were behind the unconscionable maneuverings that got Epstein off yep. from really facing the accusations of the child sex slaves that he and Gillian Maxwell employed to the benefit, they allege, of Dershowitz. So you take these people who are truly tainted, as they say, and they... Uh, <laughs> And you have them in there so that if there is a victory for the Trump side, you can look and say, well, these guys are known for back-channeling with prosecutors. If anyone could get it done crookedly, it would be these guys. Absolutely. So so that, I think, is a big part of the Dershowitz star. 
element. They're they're going to be a great support, you know, great supporting actor side story there. Mitt Romney's so telegenic. He's like leading the defectors on the GOP side. I'm not trying to make light of it. I actually find this whole thing disgusting and horrible. And I really think that they're meaning to completely overturn the Constitution by making our democracy appear that it does not function even to the extent of being able to hold an election. I mean, it's really awful, but if you don't laugh, you know what they say. You gotta anyway. cry. <laughs> right? So right after the break, we'll get some more. Uh, feel free to call 800-WSB-TALK or tweet at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. They think they control the galaxy. I disagree. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. I am happy to say I have a prize pack for you right now. And it's a good one for someone of my era, I think. A pair of tickets to two different shows at Ameris Bank Amphitheater. One is Rod Stewart with a special guest, Cheap Trick, on August 22nd. And the other is Foreigner with special guest, Kansas, and featuring Europe on September 1st. Tickets to both shows are on sale now at LiveNation.com. But if you want them... Free here and now. The first to call 404-741-0750 will get all of those tickets. So have fun with that. And I want to tell you, I would say have fun, but it's kind of a creepy story or a weird story. And let me see if I can do it in a short amount of time. This guy, Robert Hyde, is supposedly was supposedly having Yovanovitch tailed in Kiev and reporting back to Lev Parnas, a Giuliani associate. The evidence for this, which dropped last week just as the impeachment went to the Senate and is being used as the reason Senate should do a trial and call witnesses instead of just seeing if the GAO or Congress or whomever has made their case here, which I think they should, the equivalent of a kind of motion to dismiss and uh, go ahead and just um, vote on it right away. They're not doing that. And this guy, there are text messages between him and Parnas, which are really make no sense at all. It's totally implausible. This guy is a landscaper from Connecticut. And he said that they were just working some chump, right? So I think they were either working Giuliani or Giuliani and Parnas were setting this guy up as a patsy because and it took me a while to decipher this to really figure out what I thought was going on. Last year in Miami, he was arrested and what he called Baker acted, put in a mental confinement for nine days. He said all of his evaluations came out good and he was released. But he had said that he was being set up, that he was being uh, some emails he sent put his life in jeopardy and that he was being targeted by the Secret Service. Now, this is exactly what Miriam Carey said. And she was gunned down uh, by... Capitol Police in D.C. because she had a relationship with Obama. And this guy has pictures of him with Trump. I think he's a small-time operator. I think he was set up by Parnas for whatever reason. But there is no doubt in my mind he did not. He even said, are you kidding? That was, I, I don't have people in Ukraine. Look at me. Look at who I am. So... If you want to dig in, that guy's name is Robert Hyde. After the break, I want to talk about this Virginia gun rally. That's a setup, too. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Don't hate the player, hate the game, son. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. I am waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on 95.5 WSB. Today, I'm only on until 5 and... 
I forgot how much there is in this Virginia gun rally. This is a, a true threat to our liberty, of course, is the attack on our gun rights from all directions, it seems. Even in Virginia, where you wouldn't, I think, expect it, certainly by the way the population has reacted. And But there's more to this story than just gun rights. The biggest thing, I just want to get it out because I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to have time to get through every single agenda item that I think is at work here. The biggest thing, in my opinion, is, so at first I thought it was gun rights, and it was trying to make gun rights ad- advocates seem crazy, dangerous, and racist. But then a couple of people sent me links, uh, hats up to Tim Andrews, by the way, for sending me links to socialists for gun rights, walking soldier to, shoulder to shoulder with this these gun rights advocates, and also Antifa is there to try to keep their guns. But what happened was in Virginia, they passed four laws. One, they pulled back. But the laws were that localities could ban guns from public events. Uh, they could only, Virginians could only purchase one handgun a month. And there had to be a private a background check on all private transfers of firearms. Now, that's actually, to me, the most egregious. And the, the fourth one was that certain types of guns, was it bump stocks or I don't know what, certain magazines, something, assault weapons, oh, yeah, a ban on assault weapons, bump stocks, silencers, and high-capacity magazines, that, by banning those, they were going to confiscate them. And that was going to be a big deal. So they pulled back on that one. I got a lot of my information on this from a great article Pete Quinones wrote. He is a local libertarian activist and uh, um, a high-ranking member of the libertarianinstitute.org where he wrote this article. And it really lays everything out. But there are a couple of really good points in it that I wanted to make. One is funny because one of his subheadings is the boogaloo has been canceled. So this is a a word, a meme that's been going around in libertarian circles and beyond where it's basically the civil war, where there's just nothing left. They take away your constitutional rights and you're going to it's going to get ugly. And that would happen if they went in Virginia and tried to confiscate guns. So that is not going to happen. Instead, there's a rally to try to claw back those other three. There's also a movement of sanctuary cities where in the localities they say we're not going to enforce these laws. We'll even deputize citizens. And I do feel like with the sanctuary city thing for the Second Amendment, heartbeat laws for abortion, there's a good chance that these things will backfire by forcing Supreme Courts at the state or federal level to make it very clear what is and is not allowed. So by pushing the envelope that hard, I feel like you're going to get some pushback and you're going to end up further away from from where you want to be than where you were before. So there's some of that. And uh, the so this there's a rally organized by Virginia Citizens Defense League, a lobbying day and rally. It's going to be on Monday, which is Martin Luther King Day. The gun owners of America are also a part of that. And I respect them. This all seems fine. But since then, I, since this was announced, I've heard of there's a lot of talk about numerous arrests that have been made, uh, 
a new organization I'd never heard of before. I've heard of it like 10 times in the past 24 hours called The Base, which is kind of hilarious because Al-Qaeda means the base in Arabic. So why they would name it? But, but Al-Qaeda stands for the database because it was supposedly the, the Obama, no, Osama's Afghans. So it was the U.S., it was the CIA's list of people in Afghanistan who were trying to overthrow the secular government there that was backed by the Soviets. That was before the Soviet invasion. It sparked the Soviet invasion. It's Charlie Wilson's war. So it was their database that got morphed into Al-Qaeda. That's what research, my research has uncovered. Who knows? You know, maybe that's disinfo. Maybe the uh, alternative narrative is disinfo. I don't know. But these guys happen to name themselves after Al-Qaeda, maybe by the same people. There's a chance of that. And the, these so people were arrested, including some Georgians from Silver Creek, I think, because they were on a like 100 acre piece of property where they're practicing shooting and stuff. I'd really, really like to know who owns the deed to that property. I could not find that. Uh, so so my first instinct is that they're going to push out this narrative that crazy, dangerous racists are the ones behind uh, gun rights advocacy, but then you're going to fold in the Antifa stuff and the socialists. So what I think Antifa's role is now I'm thinking like, cause they're probably a created entity as well, is that the primary purpose of a lot of the stuff, I don't think they actually want to resolve the gun rights, gun control issue until a lot of other issues can be resolved. The everything but stuff. So Bill Barr and his Operation Guardian, where he wants to do a lot of background checks and mental health. Uh, Lindsey Graham wants to do red flag laws. A lot of that stuff they use as a touchstone our ability to fight terrorism by not abiding by the Constitution. And Mick Sally, the senator from Arizona, wants um, to have a domestic terrorism law that a federal law of domestic terrorism that also is kind of, these are touched, they use as touchstones our unconstitutional behavior towards foreigners, which when libertarians said you can't have like Gitmo or all that stuff, they said, well, this, these are foreigners. They don't get rights. I'm like, well, don't you argue that they're God-given rights? But okay, constitutional rights, maybe you don't have to give them. But now we have people on the right citing our how successful it is to suspend the Constitution and suspend people's rights when you're dealing with terrorists who are, I guess, not human beings, not citizens, whatever. Domestic terrorists are, perforce, Americans. So they're suggesting that we use this stuff uh, against people who are Americans who have those rights that we tried out on people who did not have rights. So I think the primary purpose of this is to encourage domestic terrorism laws. And... Uh, the one, uh, another thing, so I have a bunch of like checklists here. The last thing I'll say, and then I want to ask Binkley, because you, you did some research on this too, that the base suggests accelerationism to get to the boogaloo sooner, I guess. And then they want to establish a white ethno state. And I have to say, this Nazi stuff is foreign to the American melting pot where just about everybody chose to come here at some point. Nobody has that kind of terror, that that soil argument that it's your land, you're connected to this earth besides American Indians. So I don't, this is not a natural thing here. It's not emerge organically here. It. Uh, I'm not even sure it emerged organically in Europe, but in any case, it all fits the uh, idea that 
comes out of our government of enhancing dysfunctional subcultures to create circumstances that will allow for policies or actions that would not be accepted without these contrived situations. And that really upsets me. It's a pathocracy. It's a government that works against our interests. And I think what you had, Binkley, what you were telling me about earlier, I think folds right into that. Yeah, I will say that having a racially charged gun rally on Martin Luther King Day is definitely a way to enhance dysfunctional subcultures and create maximum tension. Yeah, it's a terror. It, 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 you know, I'm surprised. That's the thing. Like gun owner, I don't. I didn't hear of the other organization, but because Virginia, but I, I know the gun owners of America. I'm. I would be surprised if they were playing into something ill conceived. But I agree with you there. Yeah, and this whole thing. Those guys that were arrested in Georgia, it was an undercover FBI operation. The guy had infiltrated their group, and if it went like a lot of the other ones that we have seen, he was they bait them, and they put ideas in their head, and they take people who are vulnerable, and then they radicalize them. And they actually – I don't know about this specific case. I don't know when or if we will find out about that, but there's certainly a pattern that was described in – from the New York Times to Fox News about how the majority, the vast majority, like 95 percent at the time that this was still allowed to bubble up, of the terrorism arrests were fault, were uh, sting operations. Yeah. So if they're almost all sting operations and when they described those, some of them were you would you could identify a person who had mental challenges, recruit them. You know, not, not find them in the organizations, recruit them to the organizations, exploit and exacerbate their mental weaknesses in order to get them to do bad things and then arrest them for it. And then sometimes it backfires, like the World Trade Center 93 or whatever, that where six people died. That was an FBI operation. Yeah, and their use of this tactic is so pervasive that in the manual that describes what they are allowed to do, it says that one of the problems is that sometimes the undercover agent will focus in on a target only to later find out that the target they've focused in on is also an undercover agent. There are exposés about the Klan in the 30s that like one or two of every three were FBI. And then Timothy McVeigh, he wrote a letter to his sister saying that he was tapped for a special ops mission. That was Oklahoma City. You know, these things are dangerous business yeah and uh i'd and, stay away from that rally yes 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 absolutely i mean that oh actually that that is the name of pete's article virginia second amendment advocates beware and one of his chapter headings little headings in this article which is totally short and easily readable is agents provocateur because they're there to cause trouble to light that tinder keg and uh and i totally agree there's no reason i mean if that's the only way to get these laws overturned, I mean, I, I'll, I'll have to see how, if it was passed 100% correctly by process. Like, why would the legislature be that out of touch with the people? Or is it just a uh, an irate minority? But <laughs> yeah. I, I often find that things like this are provoked before process is exhausted. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so they, right. they say like you're the when you were talking about the Stacey Abrams stuff, they're like, well, we're only getting out of line because there's nothing else to do. It's like, well, what do you mean? Like, we haven't even voted yet. You that, can yeah, vote right. in a Democrat primary if you don't like the other Stacey. Like, what are you talking about? And that's part of the accelerationism. 
is you f- try to force it to change yeah. by doing these acts. I mean, this is the argument for voting. I mean, that's what voting is for. So if you don't think voting works, I'm all for a a system that uses objective, immutable rights and and severely limits what can be voted upon, such as this. Like there, there shouldn't shouldn't even be permitted that gun rights abrogating gun rights should be uh, a subject of legislation. It should have stopped before it even started. Yeah. You know, but I don't know. I didn't see how the process went. I only just caught on to this because it's just exploded in the media. It really has. And the irony of the governor there being the one who was leading the gun ban, the one who was had the photos in blackface and it's on Martin Luther King Day. It's just it's a melting pot for conflict. Yeah, I I don't know a lot about that guy, but um, I would just suggest that people read Pete's article, and unless you know for sure you can stay out of trouble, I would, I I don't know, I would stay away. Although I like the gun owners of America, but I think so. Anyway, let's finish this conversation after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Everything you do is being watched by some all-seeing eye. On 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. Just a last word on this Virginia gun rally. I was tweeting with people. It was really buzzing yesterday. And somebody was saying they hope it doesn't go crazy. I said, yeah, like the Maidan. I hope they don't pull a false flag. Somebody said maybe it'd be a false flag. The Maidan in Ukraine, It was the snipers actually came forward and admitted it. There were snipers who killed people on both sides. I mean, this is in the record that they shot both police officers and protesters to make the riots turn violent. And I thought, I hope that doesn't happen. Then I read this article today in the Wall Street Journal last night that said it started with this this sentence. Three suspected white supremacists arrested in Maryland and Delaware this week had discussed opening fire from different positions at Monday's Monday's planned pro-gun rally in Richmond in the hopes of causing chaos Law enforcement officials said that is like, first of all, telling people what to do. That doesn't that's not very cool. But if that if there were a sinister plan afoot, this would give you cover. This would give that Maidan scenario a plausible alternative explanation. That's how they this accelerationism is a uh, is just a beard for false flags, because when. People do things against interest, you know, like 9-11 was against the interest of the Middle East. So if they did that, why would they do that? Because they're crazy. Maybe they wanted the war. Right. So accelerationism is a good excuse for people to do things against their own interests. And this is that's why I see machinations, because you have to suspend your normal logic. Why would someone do that when when the answer at the end is because they're crazy you gotta don't I would I would not accept that as the first explanation. Anyway, we gotta <laughs> wrap it up. Uh, I Binkley, tell people how to find our podcast at thepropreport.com or on your favorite podcasting platform like iTunes under Propaganda, Propaganda Report. Report. That's right. So and we'll put this show up uh, this week, and we will talk to you next week. I can't remember when I'm on next week, but it's definitely going to be on Saturday. So we will see you then. Thank you, everybody. This is Monica Perez.